the end of the day, that's all I am. It's what he is and what he made. Praise God. We started a series on last week, Excel in the Grace of Giving. I want to illustrate that again because, of course, you know, you've got to interpret Scripture in the dispensation or testament that it's, it's being taught from. And, you know, there's just so much today. If you're not careful today, boy, you can just run off with every wind of doctrine and you just run off on a whole lot of stuff. And so I heard an advertisement on the radio about a new church that was opening up and, and it was the marketing tool was, are you tired of paying tithes? Are you... Do you want to dress the way? I mean, it was all this. Well, come to our, you know, I was thinking to myself, man, and this guy's getting ready to pastor a church. All right, and so let me just help you all. I'm not teaching on that subject today, but let me help you. Tithing is something that always was and always will be. All right, and so we see it all the way back in Genesis before the law was ever given. We see Abraham paying tithes in the Melchizedek. Well, how did he know to do that if there wasn't some principle already in the earth? Amen. Right? Then we see it being instituted or implemented in the Old Testament in the, the, the Levitical priesthood, right? And then all of the ordinances that went along with that. So I want to be clear there. That's the Old Testament. Before and during the Old Testament, we see that principle, right? All the way through Malachi. We see Jesus talking about it in Matthew and Luke when he was rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. He told them, hey, you're doing a good job paying tithes of mint and earth, but don't omit the weightier matters of the law like faith and grace and those things. So he, he corrected them, and the Old Testament goes all the way through the book of John. But then let, let's shift. Then we get to a book called Acts which is a transitional book. It's not the Old Testament. It's not the New Testament. It is the advent or the beginning of the church, right? You do not see the word tithe one time. And so the, the church then is founded on generous giving, right? Which clearly is introducing us to something greater, right? We're heading towards a new covenant. The only thing that makes it new is that it's based on better promises, right? But then if you study the New Testament, which begins at the book of Romans, you will only see tithe mentioned one time in the book of Hebrews chapter 7. And the reference in Hebrews chapter 7 references all the way back to Abraham paying tithes into Melchizedek, uh, into Melchizedek. So it is a really a type and shadow to show you that it always was and always will be, but there's something higher, there's something greater. Jesus said it this way, I, I didn't come to do away with the old, I came to fulfill it. And so uh, I illustrated that. Anyone have two tens in here today? That's really, it's a great way for people to be able to see it. Anyone have two tens, two $10 bills? I'm not trying to take something from you. Two ten dollars. Now, don't everyone move at the same time. Now, two ten dollar bills. Boy, you look like money too with that green shirt on. All right. And so, you know, we used to play games with our kids when they were smaller. We used to play games with them. And so we put a bunch of singles in one hand and, and a big bill on the other side and say, We want to bless you with some money. Which one do you want? And the kids would always go after what? the one that had the most bills in it, not realizing that wasn't the most money. All right, and so the best way I can illustrate this to you, when they created the $20 bill, they didn't do away with the two tens, right? What makes the 20 better is that the two tens are in it. 
All right? So what we're talking about in excelling in the grace of giving, we're not doing away with tithes. Tithes, as, as my pastor told me, Apostle Price, you know, tithes is a starting point. It's a foundation. But how many know we all should excel and grow beyond that? Right? And so thank you for that. And you keep the 20, right, along with the two tens. And be blessed. I receive that. Somebody in here today just need some gas in your car? Anybody in here need some gas? Go and put some gas in your car. Fill it up. Now, I'm obeying what he told me. Tim, Tim, get at the dog. And so, you see how that works? See, he gave, I gave, right? I'm giving back. It's on his heart. Bless somebody that needs some gas today. You see how this works? I received grace, so I gave it. He received grace, so he gave it. She received it, so she should be looking for somebody to. You see how this works? All right, so now, excel in the grace of giving. Let's go backwards to go forwards today. We're going to get two points in today. We know in our introduction, uh, really, we're called to give generously and with joy. And it is a fruit of the Spirit living on the inside of us. All of our information, we're taking pretty much 10 principles from Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And Paul is explaining to us that really our giving is a core part of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. It is a core part of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. And really in these two chapters here, these two chapter 8 and chapter 9, is rooted in three themes. And the first theme is the grace of God. The more you know about the grace of God and the more of it that you receive, I mean, you can't help but share that with other people, Amen. right? And that's a big piece to it. And then the finished work of Christ. The more you know about what was done for you on that cross, it should really inspire some kind of response, Right? When you know that God's healed you, he saved you, he's delivered you, he's blessed you, right? If you're doing, if you're giving to get something from God, that's legalism and that's works. Right? Your giving is a response to what you believe he's already done for you. See, so most people say, when I get paid, I'll give. I'm telling you the way to get paid is to give first. Some of you missed a good place to shout right there, right? Because that's a response to what you believe he's already done, not you responding to what somebody did for you. All right, watch this now. Then the last one is the unity of the spirit. The more we unify in this effort, right, the more grace we're able to give to other people and the more grace he bestows upon us. We won't change a city by just preaching alone. You change a city by feeding the city clothing the city. Come on, somebody. Going to visit the people that are in jail. That's how you change a city. First principle we looked at was giving was an expression of the, the grace of God. So every time we give, we're expressing what it is we know and understand about God's grace on our lives. We know grace means graciousness, liberality, divine influence upon the heart, benefit, favor, joy, gratitude. That same word grace or careers is mentioned 10 times in chapters 8 and chapters 9. And so we looked at how it manifests. And I, I want to go by that because it's so important. It manifests when you're in a great trial of affliction. 
How I many of your response in that trial determines how much you know about his grace? Right? And if you become a victim, how I many of you don't know much about his grace? Right? Because he made you a victor, not a victim. Right? And the way it shows up is an abundance of joy. Never let the devil or anyone else steal your joy. Did you hear what I just said? Never. Not your circumstances, not people. Don't ever let anything have your joy. And the more you're challenged, the more joy you should display in your life. Because that joy is a response that God has already brought me out of this situation. We talked about several other things. The one other one I want to bring out is deep poverty led to rich liberality. Most people, when they don't have nothing, they're not thinking about giving something. Unless you realize that God is still good even when you don't have nothing. Come on, anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Right? And, and so it's something about that. The deeper my poverty, the more my liberality should be. Because what I'm saying is, God, I already know you, you got me. Let me help somebody else. All right. And so we looked at it. We talked about all that. Number two, giving can be a charisma or a gift of the Spirit. And so I want to go back by this again because now this is a doctrinal truth. This is not a, a Christian principle. This is not a principle that I'm teaching in a service. This is a doctrinal truth that we all now have a responsibility to respond to. And so you all know how this uh, really came about to me was we were in a 40 days of faith conference at Faith Christian Center, and uh, we brought Apostle Price in to be the teacher. And it's really my first time meeting him in this way and being able to have conversations. And he's upstairs locating me. And, you know, how, how do you see faith? And what do you believe about faith? And, and how do you see giving and tithing? And, of course, I felt real good because I told him, you know, I had been tithing faithfully for, for an extended amount of time. And he looked back at me and he said, is that all you do? He said, that baby Christians, that's for baby Christians. And man, I tell you, you know, I felt about, anybody here, boy, you, I, I felt about that big, right? And then he had began to share with me where he had grown to. And that sparked my study. And so I, I started to study. And, of course, he was only on the faith side of it. Uh, God had given me the grace side of it. And I added that to what he shared with me. And I went on a journey. And so every year, that moment, I repented, right? And I increased my giving during the 40 days of faith. And every year, I've been increasing my giving while at the same time not receiving a raise. So for the last five years, I've increased my giving by percentages while not receiving a raise. What God has given me every year would have, is higher than what I would have ever taken in a raise in the first place. Amen. Right? And you're going to see this principle today, which is why I'm taking time to share with you. Most people think when I make more, I'll give more. They don't understand giving more is how you make more. Can I get two real good amens on that so, see, a lot of times we're waiting on somebody. They don't pay me enough for me to do all of that, but God does. All right, so now, number three. Let's pick up with all new information right here. The finished work of the cross should inspire our giving. The finished work of the cross should inspire our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 8 and 9, I'll read that out of the Amplified Bible you follow right along. It says, I'm not saying this as a command to dictate to you, but to prove by pointing out the enthusiasm of others, the sincerity of your love as well. 
For you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Now, of course, we read that, right, and a lot of people spiritualize that. And they think, they say he became spiritually poor, right, so we could be spiritually rich. But remember, context is king. We're talking about money right now. We're talking about giving right now. Right? So I want you to understand, folks, he did this for your sake. He was unwilling to let you live without. So he came so that you'd never have to. Now watch this. You're going to see this very clearly today. What you know about that determines how you respond to it. What you believe about that determines how you respond to that. Let's keep reading the rest of that verse. So it says, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? So that by his poverty you might become rich or abundantly blessed. Folks, the will of God for your life is always to have more than what you need. Let me try this side of the room over here. The will of God for your life is to always have more than what you need. You know why? So that you can give to others that have less than what you have. Are you all still with me out there? It's the will of God that you, you would be abundantly blessed. So notice here, Paul was not commanding the Corinthians to give generously. So a lot of us have been in church a long time, and we've kind of heard that come out, you know, almost like a command, like the reason you're in the situation you're in, right, or something to that effect. It came out very dictatorial and almost as a command and almost with the corresponding response that the reason I'm in the situation that I'm in is because I don't give at a certain level. Right? Anybody can be honest about that? That's not the way he's coming across here at all, is he? Right? It's not dictatorial, and it's not even a command. Anytime you're being commanded or told or made to do anything, God is not in it. Let me get another good amen on that. There's no way God is in something. So he's not doing that. This is what he's doing. He's rather, he puts the sincerity of their love to test by comparing them with the Macedonians, right, and using their enthusiasm and their giving as a motivation for them to give, right? And so what you'll see with this principle, God will always put an example in the earth that you can see, that you can follow. He'll always do that. But then the greatest example is Christ, right? So he moved on from that example to using the example of how Christ became poor so that we could be rich. And so even though we have natural examples on the earth, how I many know Christ is always our greatest example, right? So we thank God for how he uses people and how he blesses people, but really go beyond that and always end with Christ being your ultimate example. And so you know, Apostle Price inspired me. I mean, there's just things that he did that helped show me what he was talking about. Uh, no sooner after that, you know, we, get, we go through our situation. He calls us and he flies us out to California, puts us in a five-star hotel, treats us like kings and queens. And, of course, we're like, he doesn't really know us. We're just meeting him. Well, how many of you know that's a blessing right there? 
Then he flies us to Cleveland to go to a conference so that we can learn integrity with finances and all the other things. And they pay for all of them. Put us in another five-star hotel. Feed us like kings and queens. We sit at their table, right? And it's just a blessing. Then he comes back here again, and his wife sits next to me, and she reaches in her pocketbook. She writes a check for $5,000, puts it in my pocket. I didn't say $500, $5,000. Right? So, So what God is showing me is a natural example. My kids come in the room, and she, she, actually, we were in their home at this time, and she goes upstairs, come back downstairs with two crisp $100 bills on, in each hand, $200 in each hand, gives $200 to one kid, $200 to the other kid. Now, how many know when you start loving somebody's children, you've gotten to their heart? That's why my kids always win at Apostle Price when they coming back. <laughs> when do we go into California again? When we go, can we go see the prices when we're there, right? So he'll always give you a natural example. But, folks, that pales in comparison to Christ leaving glory. Come on, somebody. And coming down here to earth to identify with us so that we could have everything in life. Pales in comparison. I thank God for it. And, of course, it's all real to me because when I go in his house, you know, he's taking you on a tour. You, know, you got to take an elevator up to the next one, uh, and you're going around, and he's saying, this is the third time I built this house. We've knocked this house down, and it means nothing to him. We've knocked this house down twice, three times, and rebuilt it. Then we go out to the garage. I see some of the most beautiful cars. They mean nothing to him. He literally says, I give more than any of those cars cost. How many of you know that doesn't inspire you? Right? Let's look further here at this reference to divine grace. Let's see where we can go from here, okay? Let's see where we can grow. Number one, if you're back all the way up to verse one in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you'll see it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he doesn't start off by talking about they need to give. He starts out by acknowledging what God has given to them. And there's something about giving from an awareness of who God is and and what he's done for me that changes how I give. So so right away, number one there, the grace of God, you've got to believe it's at work in you. Right? How many of y'all have a job today? That's the grace of God. Amen. How many of y'all have a business today? That's the grace of God. How many of y'all can pay all of your bills? That's the grace of God. How many of y'all are already planned a vacation for this summer? That's the grace of God. How many of y'all, when you get home, there's food in your refrigerator? That's the grace of God. How many of y'all, when you leave out of this building, there's a car out in the parking lot that you get to drive home? That's the grace of God, right? And every time you give, if you'll stop for a moment to reflect how good God has been to you, it changes how you give. Sometimes you don't realize it until you go to a hospital and you visit somebody that's laying in a bed sick and dying. 
Sometimes you don't realize it until you drive under a bridge and see people sleeping up underneath the bridge. That it'll remind you that God is good. Because sometimes we all upset because we don't have the, the 2018 version of our car. But there are people that just want a car. So number one, you've got to acknowledge that the grace of God is at work in you. Number two, the grace of Christ challenges us to respond in like fashion. So believe it or not, then, my giving is a response to how much I actually believe I receive. It literally corresponds to what do I know about the grace of God? What do I know about how good God has been to me? And for me to do nothing means that I, my attitude is I receive nothing. Can you all see that? Right? Because a gracious heart wants to partner with God to fulfill his purposes in the earth. All right? So now, let's go back and look at this verse very slowly. Let's notice two references here, and then we'll, we'll dissect those. You'll notice in verse 8 and 9, he says, I'm not saying this as a command, right, to dictate to you, but to prove something here. And by pointing out the enthusiasm of others, the sincerity of your love as well, right? So we can see the sincerity of someone's love based off of what they do. Do you all agree with that? Right? I mean, I can tell my wife I love her all day long, but it's something about giving her chocolate and some flowers that demonstrates that at a higher level. Everyone agree with that, right? So you can really see somebody's sincerity based off of what they do. Now, verse 9, for you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord. Or for you know, I think is the word that the King James Version use, uses. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that. As a matter of fact, put the King James Version up very quickly. For you know. And the Greek word for know there is a word, ganasko. And it means to be intimately acquainted with and to know very well. And so is the King James Version up there. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so I want to make this real clear. If you don't know it, him intimately, right? Thank God for sermons, but you're not knowing him intimately in this service. You don't get to know him intimately until you go home and spend time with him yourself. So he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that. So, so see, now we're understanding why people respond the way that they do. If you don't intimately have a relationship and you're not acquainted with that, you can listen to this message. You can wake up tomorrow, listen to your favorite speaker on tomorrow, and it's not going to change your life until you know him intimately for yourself. And you start reflecting on how good God has been to you. Uh, I, I can tell you on last night, I committed to Linked Up Church. Man, I'm in a meeting with two lawyers, our business manager, my wife, and a pen in my hand. I committed to this church. I put everything I love on this. What I mean by that, I believe God's grace is so rich that he's even going to be do beyond what I committed to yesterday. 
and I signed it without knowing how that'll get done. I just know it's done. Sitting right there. Am I right or wrong? So much so, my wife knows me. I prayed all the way through it. We get home. This meant more to me than anything else. She gives me a big hug, gives me a big kiss, grabs me by my cheeks, and she said, I am so proud of you right now. And trust me, that meant more to me than signing the paper or anything else was to know that she believed in a decision that I just made. So I want you to understand this. You don't sign what I signed yesterday without an intimate relationship with God. If you don't 100% believe he has already delivered, you don't do that. You understand what I'm saying here? See, so your giving is that way. If not, you'll think you lost something. You'll think somebody's trying to take something from you. Hello, somebody. You'll think I even taught this as some gimmick to get you to give something. You'll listen that way. Here come another way to extract from us instead of responding to God properly based off of what you know about him and what he's done for you. Come on, don't shout me down now because I'm preaching real good. And you'll get caught up in all the other stuff that don't mean nothing and miss out on all that God has for you. Still with me out there? All right, so now, let's, let's go slowly here. So let's notice here. Let's read the rest of that verse there because I want to make, make sure you get this. In verse 9, for we are recognizing more clearly, see, we know more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his astonishing kindness, his generosity. So something about I can't outgive him, right, that no matter what I do, he's always going to go over the top and beat me at that, right? His gracious favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So let's look a little further here. There there are really two times he uses the word rich and two times he uses the word poor. The first word rich there in the Greek, he was rich. How many know God is rich? And still is rich. So, because so, of course, theologians will confuse you if you don't let Scripture interpret itself. So he says, though he was rich, that's the first rich, it means wealth and he was abounding with. He became poor. Listen to me. Did not say he was poor. Said he became poor. Which means the only way I can become poor is that I had to be something else. If I've been poor the whole time, how I many know I don't become poor? I'm just poor. Right? So now we have to ask ourselves the question then when did he become poor? All right? I just want to throw it out there, challenge your thinking a little bit spiritually. When did he become poor? Don't everyone answer that at the same time. Most people think it's when he was on that cross, right? It's not, that's not when he was, became poor. Go to Philippians chapter 2. How many of y'all glad you came to church on the day? 
Right? And if you let theologians, they're going to take you right to the cross. But that's not when he became poor. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Are you there? Put it up on the screen for me. Put verse 6 and verse 7 up on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. Okay. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Here, let me just pull them up. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. All right, verse 6 here, Philippians chapter 2. says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be what? Equal with God, right? Drop down to verse 7. Did they put that up there yet? All right, verse 7 says, but he made himself of no reputation. He took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. If you look up the phrase, took upon the form of a servant or made himself of no reputation, literally means he emptied himself out, similar to the song today. He emptied himself out, left all of his glory, took on the form of man, Came down to earth with, to live with man so that man could experience everything he had while he was in heaven. Oh, somebody better catch that. Don't fall asleep on that. That's when he became poor was when he, God, left earth, left heaven to come to earth. He had to empty himself out of all of his rights and privileges, right, to identify with us, to be born in a manger. Come on, somebody. Right, so that we can know what... It's like to live like him in heaven, right here on earth. How many of y'all believe that? Now, wouldn't you think all of us would want to walk in the fullness of why he did that? Because this verse just told us he did that for our sakes, not for his. Now, I know most of us, how I many of we're not getting ready to move out of our own houses? Right? To identify with really too much of anybody. <laughs> That's just human nature. He left his house to come down here so that you would have a house Amen. for the rest of your life. Yes. Yes. And all throughout eternity. Isn't that good? Yes. All right. So now. So because the third poor there means indulgence or indigenous seriously impoverished condition, right, which is what we were in, uh, so that we can become wealthy or increase with goods. So the way I want you to see this, folks, your life should always increase with resources, right? And as you excel in your giving, you should also excel with resources. So the more you give, the more resources are given to you so that you can give more. The more resources come back to you so that you can give more, and the cycle just continues, okay? Now, number four, and we're going to close right here for the day. Before I get to four, so our poverty then... Christ said, I'm going to renounce my riches, right, so that they, through my poverty, might become rich. Now, I don't want to throw this out. I was going to bypass this, but I want to throw it out. You're not trying to get rich. You're rich right now. See, that's hard for people because they're looking at their circumstances. I was going to bypass that, but. This is challenging. 
because sometimes we can't really get past what we see. You don't start a business to get rich. You're already rich. And it shows up in your business. Anybody in here catching that? So watch this. People are waiting to get something before they give something. If you respond based off of what he already made you, you'll arrive there a lot quicker. See, my giving is an indication that I actually believe I'm already that. Something about with Lynn in my pocket and I still want to treat you to lunch says I'm rich. Now, you don't do that foolishness, foolishly, right? But there are times when you need to respond to what you are and not what you're trying to become. Anybody catching this? Say, I am rich right now. Do you really believe that? Yes. See, then there'll be a corresponding, there'll be a response to that. It'll be a response towards God. It'll be a response towards people. Now, I'm getting ready to throw something out here. Um, this is tough for me to even say because of all my legalistic background. But it's the truth. Never thought I could get to a place where I could even say it. I, I would tell other people I would never say that because I was that steeped in legalism. How I many of you can be steeped in it and don't even realize it? And think you're 100% right about something. Watch this. Number four, give according to your ability. Give according to your ability. Let's read verses 10 through 12. And in this, I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and in this I give advice. See, it is to your advantage. How many know God would never take advantage of you or put you at a disadvantage? Right? The Word of God is always designed to give you an advantage. And so Paul says here... It, and this is the advice that I give. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. How I many know a lot of people have said, I'm going to start tithing this year? See how quiet it got right there? I'm going to start giving in 2019. That's my resolution. Then life hits them, right? Right? Watch this now. Stay with me. Right? So he's encouraging. This is the advice that he's giving because he's trying to give him an advantage. He's not trying to take something from him. He's saying, do what you were desiring to do a year ago. But now you must also complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion or completion out of what you have. Let me go real slow with this, right? So it's just like with us. You know, we pledged a certain amount. How many know God put that desire in our heart to pledge that? Now, how many know there has to also be a desire to complete that? Because sometimes people will do that for show. 
or they mean well, right? Then you move it up. I'm trying to give you an advantage. Then you move it up in terms of priorities in your life because whatever you put God first in, he blesses. So now it becomes more important than my vacations. It becomes more important. Hello, somebody. And anything I can enjoy, it now has moved up on the priority because I have to have the same desire to complete it that I had to start it. Are you all still with me out there? Right? And that's to your advantage. Anytime that you go before God and you make a commitment, it's just like when, when I decided to increase our percentages, I went to my wife and I said, babe, I'm going to increase our giving this much. How I many you know I can't back off of that because our circumstances or something happens, right? Then I get to the next year and I say, babe, I'm going to increase our giving by these percentages, right? How I many you know I, I got to have the same desire to complete that? That's to my advantage. You all still here today? Right? So believe it or not, folks, of course we give according to our ability with the 10 being the goal, Right? But how I many know at some point you got to grow beyond that? See, at some point a, a dime is not going to mean anything to you off of a dollar. Believe it or not, I don't even feel the percentage that we give today. I don't feel it. Because it's the quickest I can give it is coming back. I'm trying to give you an advantage. You want to hear a little bit more as we close? Yes. All right, watch this now. So there must be a readiness to desire it, and there must also be a completion out of what you have. Look at the rest of this verse. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Now. Let's add the balance to everything. I can never tell a person to not tithe. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I can never do it. Never, regardless of, of their situation. But what I can tell a person is to start where you are. I didn't think I could ever get to a place where I could say that. Did you hear what I just said? Start where you are. With a goal of working yourself towards. And God said that'll be accepted. See what the spirit of God is doing is giving liberty to, to the people. Right? Giving them an opportunity to grow. Right? But, but also if you're studying this with me, you'll see that everybody should do something. So to go to a church for a whole year and do nothing, hello, somebody. Right? So he's showing you everyone should do something, and it'll be accepting, accepted according to what they have and not what they don't have. See, somebody can get hit with a hard situation in life. Right? And with that, they literally don't have 10%. Right? But they're willing to do something. See what he's saying here? That'll be accepted. Then let's talk about the other side of that. There are other people that God has blessed you so much. 
You haven't done nothing with 10%. Oh, see, okay. You see that? See both sides of that? And he looks at both of them the same. Remember, right? When he was in the synagogue, he was looking over at the offering. And he was watching everything that people were giving. He said, all the rich people came and gave out of their abundance. And he said, this poor woman came and gave two coins. But she gave that out of her need. Then he said, disciples, come on over here for a moment. So you see this woman right here? She put in more than all of them. He clearly is not talking about denominations. And that was red letter edition, Jesus talking. Right, I'm working towards something. I know, how many of y'all, this is new revelation for you? Raise your hand if this is new revelation for you. Okay, all right, praise God. All right, how many of y'all believe everybody should do something? All right, what's the goal? What's the standard? What's the foundation? Should be 10%, right? Right? But, but should a mature believer grow beyond that? Let's close right here for the day. It's good stuff right here. I just want to give away another 20. Somebody said, I look at that. Somebody said, I'll take that. In the spirit of gas, anybody need some gas? In the spirit of that, you need some gas? Go get you some gas. Okay, people. Matter of fact, I want to give away another 20. In the spirit of gas. Anybody else need some gas? You need some gas? Come on up here, big fella. Come get you some gas. Why don't you you take 30, man? Because I know you got a wife and kids. Okay, Take 30, okay? All right. Praise God. And there are going to be times where where we grow to a place where I say, who needs a house in here? Come on, some, come on, somebody. Where, I, where I'm just led, I come out and I say, who lost their car this week? We got one sitting for you right out there on the lot today. We're going to grow to that place, folks. I said, we'll 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 grow to that place, folks. Come on, can somebody give a great God some great praise in this place today? We want to be a generous church. So three things out of those two verses. You've got to have the desire to give, right? Can't move past that if you don't have a desire to do that. Your desire should lead to, to the completion of what you give. So don't just desire it and then don't do what you desire to do. You catch that? Right? And so that's why if you pledge something, if you said you're going to do something, do what you said you were going to do. Because you serve a God who does what he says he's going to do. Right? And that's a heart issue right there. That has nothing to do with anything else. That's a heart issue. And then number three, give according to your ability. Right? With the goal being 10. But if I don't have 10, it's better to do something than to do nothing. Because I've got to give God something to work with. I got to respond to how good God's been to me. 
Come on, did you all get anything out of this today? Come on, did you all get anything out of this today? Come on, did you all get anything out of this today? Come on, let's lift our hands to the Father. Stay in your seat. Let's lift our hands in the Father. And let's just thank him for what we heard today. Father, I pray that the entrance of your word has given light, Father. Oh, and it has illuminated the hearts and minds of your people. Father, I know that one plants, one waters, but only you can give the increase. My prayer is that you use me as a planter today, Father. They'll go home and water by getting to know you more intimately and understanding your grace more profoundly. They'll go home and water it through their own personal prayer and study time. And then, Father, ultimately, you'll give them increase in their finances, increase in their resources, increase in their marriage, increase in their businesses, increase in every aspect of their lives, Father. Increase them according to your grace and according to how they respond to that grace. In Jesus' name. Now, while you're in that attitude of prayer today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with and for you today. I want to get you on the winning team, and I want to make you a part of a winning family. And so if you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the grave, if you've never done that, I want to pray with and for you today. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already saved. But I've gotten away from God. A lot of churches call that being backslidden. Some call it being out of fellowship. What needs to take place is repentance. The believer that has gotten away from God needs to repent, change the way that they think, and then get back on the right track. So if that's you today, you want to come back to Christ in that way, I want to pray with and for you. Thirdly, if you've never been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to learn more about praying in other tongues, I want to pray with and for you today. And then finally, if you don't have a church home, but you believe God has led you to linked up church, you want to make my wife and I, your pastors, the staff, we'll pray for you every single day of our lives. Every time you come in this building, our goal is to make sure that you get the Word of God and the Word of God only. So now, while every head is bowed, Every eye is closed in prayer. No one moving, no one talking unless you've been assigned.